0: Well, good morning. Thank you, guys. This is, a, this is a dreary day. February lied to us, and March said, hold on a second. I got some cold weather. I'd like this in your way. Um, I'm so glad you're here with us, even despite the rain and the sleet, uh, the freezing rain. It's good to worship with you this morning. If you would, go ahead and turn with me to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. You can find this in the Red prayer books, so, so that's the version I'll be working out of there, page 394, Psalm 95. We're continuing our Lenten sermon series on the appointed psalms. As we pause each Sunday along our Lenten pilgrimage and fast to the cross and the tomb of Jesus, each one of our psalms is giving us a gift. On Ash Wednesday, Psalm 103 gave us the gift of true perspective. True perspective concerning ourselves as sinful, frail, and mortal, and true perspective concerning God as our infinite, loving, and merciful Father. Last week, we saw that Psalm 33 gave us the gift of patient trust, and it gave us the key to that gift. And what's that key? Anyone? Was anyone paying attention last week? What's the key to the gift of patient trust? There it is. Less of you, less of me, more of God, more of Jesus. That's the key to patient trust. Today we come to Psalm 95. And if, if you've ever uh, used the prayer book for your morning devotions and have done morning prayer, you might have recognized this Psalm. It's prayed every morning in the morning prayer office. But we come to Psalm 95 today And we receive from it the gift of God's rest. And so look with me there at verse 11. This is the last verse of the psalm. This is God. This is Yahweh speaking. He says, of whom I swore in my wrath that they should not, should not enter my rest. Psalm 95 states the gift that God offers, but it is presented negatively. Negatively. He He longed, God longed to give this gift of rest to the generation of Israelites who he redeemed, whom he redeemed from slavery in Egypt. But they refused to receive it. They refused to enter into it. But what exactly then is this gift of God's rest that they refused to enter into? What is this gift that Psalm 95 is offering us today and how might we receive it? We don't want to be like the Israelites in the generation in the wilderness, that cautionary tale of sorts, we want to receive this gift of God's rest. Most fundamentally, at its core, the gift of rest is the gift of God himself. The gift of God's rest is the gift of God himself. He gives to us himself the intimacy of his presence and his covenant relationship with us. And he calls us to rest in him. And we receive this gift through whole person. All of life worship. So let's unwrap and unpack this gift of God's rest. Look there at verses 1 through 6. The psalmist calls us in these verses to joyful, loud, noisy movement. Joyful, loud, noisy movement toward God. And he does so by using three different Hebrew verbs, but all of them are translated by the same English word, come. Verse 1, come, let us sing unto the Lord. More precisely, let us walk. Let us walk to the Lord and sing to him. For those who first heard this psalm, this was a call to make pilgrimage to the temple, to Jerusalem, the tangible sign in the land of God's presence and favor among and for his people. This verb acknowledges that there is a distance between God and his people, between the the sign of his presence and where they reside that must be traveled. A distance must be traveled. It must be walked. Verse 2, let us come before his presence. More precisely, let us approach his face. That's the literal translation there. Let us approach his face. The notion of approach still speaks of distance, but the destination, the end, is the face of God, and that speaks of anticipated intimacy. The face of God points to the intimacy of encounter, close enough to see God's eyes, his smile. So we approach the face of God. And this language of the face of God reinforces the reality that we are actually encountering God, the reality that the distance can and will be overcome and that we can and will enjoy rest in his presence. Verse six, this is our last verb. This is the third and different one, but still translated by the word come in English. Oh, come, let us worship and fall down and kneel before the Lord, our maker. More precisely, oh, let us enter in. Let us worship and fall down and kneel before the face of the Lord, our maker. Note the movement in the psalm. Note the movement that Psalm 95 calls us to. It calls us to journey, to the temple, to approach the face of God, the presence and the person of God. And once we arrive, it beckons us to enter into his dwelling place, into his Presence, so that we may come and worship before the Lord in the intimacy of face to face encounter with Him. That's good stuff, isn't it? The God, your Creator, your Maker, your Father, invites you into His dwelling place to have face to face time. This whole movement that the psalmist calls us to is like when I come home in the evenings. Matthias hears the screen door on the, in the back porch close, and uh, he hears that as a call, as a call to a particular type of movement, and he squeals. If you know Matthias, you know he squeals. He squeals. He jumps to his feet, and he runs to me, closing that distance that had separated us all day. I grab him up. I bring him close to my face, and in that intimacy of face-to-face encounter, Matthias experiences profound joy and rest. Daddy's home. Similarly, God desires for you to run to him daily. He desires for you to walk, to run, to make your direction, your journey to him daily, to enter his presence and to find in him all that you need for life. In him, we find our true selves, our true identity as his image. In him, we find true belonging in his family as his children. In him, we discover that he meets all our needs all of our needs in the wilderness seasons of life when the only thing that seems full, when the only thing that seems full is what's lacking. When life seems like it's full of lack, God meets us there and provides everything we need for life, for salvation. God desired this for Israel in the wilderness after he redeemed them from Egypt. He desired for them to run to him. As a father, as a covenantal father, to run to him, to his presence, to seek his face in order to rest from anxious worry. Anxious worry concerning how they would survive in a place they believed was only full of lack. Yet when you travel the wilderness with God, it is a place full of potential. For he is the one who speaks in the barrenness of Genesis 2 and says, let there be light. And from that moment, life pours into barren places. He wanted them to trust him and to find in him provision for every need. He wanted them to rest in his presence. And this is why he establishes in the previous chapter, chapter 16 of Exodus, a pattern of work and rest. One that mimics God's own pattern of work and rest and one that is conditioned on God providing what they needed. Six days of manna and then rest to enjoy the presence of God. Yet in Exodus 17 verse 7, we heard this read this morning, they tested God with their unbelief. And they did so by saying this. Did you hear it? It's the last phrase in our reading this morning. Is the Lord among us or not? Because if he's among us, then he's going to give us what we need when we want it. Right? Is he really among us? Is he among us? And notice the result of such unbelief. It's presented not only as putting God to the test, which is bad enough, but it also is presented as strife. And we hear this in the, in the new place name, Masah, proving, attesting, but then also Meribah, strife, quarrelsomeness. Their anxiety led them to live lives and and to have lives and relations marked by strife and quarreling. The result of their unbelief was spiritual, emotional, and relational unrest. When the movement of our life is not directed toward God in worship, when the movement of our life is not directed to God in worship, we need to hear this, then we experience unrest, whether we're in a wilderness season, like Israel was, or a season of abundance, like Adam and Eve were in the garden. Because seasons of abundance... In them, we can have everything we need and more than we need, and still our hearts and souls, our families and our relationships can be utterly famished and starving for true life, for living water, what we heard in our gospel reading this morning. How many of us know what it's like to be the Israelites? whether it's known to us or not or known to others or not how many of our lives are marked similarly by overwhelming spiritual emotional and relational unrest you see when our lives are not directed to god in whole person all of life worship that's the kind of worship that drives you to your knees Bow down before the Lord, kneel before the Lord, your maker. We heard in our psalm, when our lives are not directed to God and whole person, all of life worship, we struggle to know who we are. We struggle to know where we fit in, where we belong, and the result of that struggle, that striving, is profound unrest, quarrelsome, Anxious, striving to find it, but always unable to achieve it. Always falling short of fulfillment and rest. You see, the rest of God that Psalm 95 gives us as a free gift and calls us to enter into is something that is so profound. It is written into the very fabric of creation. It pulses through every strand of your DNA. You were made to worship God with all of your life. That's written on your DNA. Your creator made you for that. We heard it in our prayer. The colic this morning. You have made us and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. That great line from Augustine. You were made to be in constant movement, just like Matthias when he hears me at the door, constant movement toward the presence of God, the presence of an infinite, loving, and merciful Father. God, who is your maker, he designed you to seek and find your rest in him. And when we stop, just a moment, and we listen to the voice of God through his word, or in a service, or in this, just the quietness of a room, we can hear him say what he speaks to the psalmist in Psalm 27, verse 10, you speak to my heart, and this is God's voice, seek my face. You speak to my heart and say, seek my face face that's God calling out to you to your DNA he's addressing the deepest core of who he made you to be and he made you to be a worshiper whose life is in constant movement toward him one of the great church ancient church fathers Saint Maximus the confessor what a name Saint Maximus the confessor maybe if we have another son Maximus be a great name he, he captures this in a Trinitarian movement. He says that God, when he creates us, he creates our being, and that moves from being to well-being to ever-well-being, and he understands that as the Sabbath rest that God invites us into in places like Hebrews chapters, chapters 3 and 4 where he's engaging and giving a long exposition of this psalm. So our entire life, is movement toward Him from our being through well being to ever well being. Can anyone say amen? amen? And when we direct our movement elsewhere, away from God, when our chief pursuit in life is not God, when we worship the creature rather than the Creator, did we hear that from our reading from Romans? by either turning inward to seek our own selves and gratify our own twisted desires, or outward to seek someone or something within God's creation other than Him. When our movement is directed away from God, then our lives are profoundly out of alignment. And just like when your car hits a huge pothole and your car is out of alignment, you can drive down the smoothest road in Winston-Salem, but your steering wheel is going to be shaking. You're going to be veering if you don't watch it to left or right. You were made to move. Worship, life, it's kinesthetic, it's movement. Thinking moves, emotions move, everything moves. Light moves, sound moves, is something written into the fabric of creation. Movement implies a destination. All of it is moving towards God. All of creation is moving to him. You are his image. You are the shepherds of that movement. Not only of your own life, but what do we do right here? We are shepherding the movement of creation. And when we come to this place on Sunday mornings, we are gathering the praise of creation together as the image of God, as the shepherds of God in this world. And we're expressing it to him in thanksgiving and contrition for sin. That's awesome. What a responsibility for us. You were made to move. You were made to worship. But when we direct that movement of our lives away from God, when we worship anything other than Him, our lives become off kilter. They become twisted. And our lives have been twisted and full of unrest ever since the garden. When Adam and Eve originally directed our movement away from God to follow our own desires. It looks good. It's got a lot of benefits. It's able to make one wise. It's so pretty. It's got a sugary coating. I want that. And in that moment, their lives were directed away from God, their true end, to something else. To means that were always meant to be means to that end. Food always meant to drive us to that greater hunger for God Beauty always meant to draw our eye beyond what we see in creation to the one who made it and designed it and called it into being. But God, who is rich in mercy, sent his only son to take on human flesh to become one of us so that he might redirect the movement of our lives back to God, our maker. That's what Psalm 95 is calling us to. Calling us back to our maker to find true rest. He came preaching. And what did he come preaching? We heard this back in Epiphany. What did he come preaching? Matthew chapter 4. Repent. Turn your movement away from what you've been pursuing and redirect it to God for his kingdom is at hand. And he not only called us to this, but he opened up the way for each one of us to come back to the Father. He did this by wholly directing his life to the Father. And in a garden, Adam and Eve were in a garden, remember? In a garden, he completely followed his Father's will, even to the point of suffering injustice at the hands of those whom he made even to the point of dying a cursed death on a tree that we're traveling to in our Lenten pilgrimage right now to the cross. He did this so that you might have rest. Rest. That is the fullness of life lived in the presence of God, spiritual, emotional, relational rest. Rest. He did this so that you might stop your anxious striving to discover who you are. So that you might stop your frantic pursuit to discover where you belong. Where you fit in. And so that you might stop your restless chasing after what promises rest and fulfillment, but can never truly offer it to you. God's call through Psalm 95, it's gift to us and it God's call through Jesus today is to stop. There's a mad TV skit. we could just stop it. But his call to us is to stop. Stop the striving. Stop the chasing. Stop the pursuing can hear God say, isn't it exhausting? Isn't it exhausting? Stop and hear God's voice speaking to your heart like he did to the psalmist. Seek my face. Come to me. We heard it in the comfortable words this morning. Come to me, all who are tired and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will tell you who you are. You are my image, my beautiful creation. Paul, in Ephesians 2, uses the language of my beautiful poem. You are my poem. Whom I gave my son to redeem and bring back to me. Come to me and I will give you a room in my house. You belong to me. You are in my family. You are my sons and daughters whom I love. Come to me and I will not withhold from you one good thing. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Christ Church, today if you hear his voice, this is the psalm, harden not your hearts. But seek his face. Do this daily through prayer and listening to his voice in scripture. Because he will speak to you in a thousand different ways through his word. But all of them will boil down to this. Seek my face. And what's the response of the psalmist? Your face, O Lord, will I seek. Let that be your heart cry. In response to the voice of God. Do this weekly, do this daily, do this weekly by gathering with his sons and daughters. You got siblings, y'all. Come gather with his sons and daughters to hear his word and to pull up a chair to his table, his beautiful, adorned banquet table and receive from Him everything you need for life and salvation. God's promise to you is that you will find Him. You will find Him. If you seek Him, you will find Him. God's promise is that you will find Him and you will find in Him rest. Profound spiritual, emotional and relational rest. So stop your striving, and start your seeking. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.